0: All right, we're in the book of Romans 8, the book of Romans 8, and we're picking a verse from our last uh, sermon a few weeks ago, 8.28, and then we're continuing that thought on. So it says here in Romans 8.28, We know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. Those whom he called, he also justified. Those whom he justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? The title of the sermon is God is for us. And let me give you the end before we take the journey along toward it. The end, the point, the conclusion is God is for us. At the end of all of this, if you walk away... Uh, Puzzled and confused and distraught, you missed the point. The point is, God is for us. He is for us. Wow. And we're going to follow the steps on the pathway toward that conclusion. It says in verse 28 to 29, we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. Jot this down, number one. Embrace God's eternal plan for you in Jesus Christ. Embrace God's eternal plan for you in Jesus Christ. If we're going to understand this passage and we're going to find our place in it, we have to take it from the top. The top is this. Know uh, there is a God. If you're still foggy on that, if you're still doubtful of that, if you're still debating that, then that's the go square on the Monopoly board for you today. There is a God. Not a million gods, a God. Uh, And it is the God of the Christian faith who has a plan and he invites you into it. He's not one of many gods. He is the Alpha and the Omega, the God. There is a God. That's the starting point. And we have to believe in God. Uh, Who is this God? Well, he's eternal. He's loving and he's wise based on what we read about him here. For those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. So there is a wisdom, a plan. He's eternal and he's loving. This is the God of the Bible. We know there is a God and we know he has a plan. There is a plan. There is a plan. It might feel to you or look to you like there isn't a plan, especially when you see the carnage in the headlines and the the brutality and warfare and The suffering through sickness and when when you feel like your life is just spiraling out of control, you might doubt that there is a plan. How can there be a plan? And if there is one, how can this be it? There is a God and he has a plan and he's working all things together for good for those who love him. The plan is not a secret. The plan is not hidden so that in the end it will will be unveiled as if like there was a plan. Uh, We're told now that there is a plan. The Bible is clear that throughout the Old Testament, this plan was veiled, and the wise longed for it to come to fruition, but then it did. In the New Testament, the mystery has been made known. So you don't have to wonder what God's plan is. You don't have to go all the way through this life thinking, well, I I wish I just knew. I, I wish I could know. You can know. And the book of Romans is written not just to tell you the plan, but to invite you persuasively into it, to find your place in God's eternal plan of the ages. I finally saw yesterday morning Avengers Endgame. My father called me after he saw it on Friday, and I hung up on him because I didn't want him to tell me what happened. And he tried to call me again. He says he's not a leaker, but he leaks. He tells you he's not going to tell you what happens, then he does. So I had to shut him out, and block him until I saw it with my own eyes. Um, And uh, I'm not going to share any spoilers with you this morning. Don't worry, right? I'll just tell you my favorite part was (laughs) when Gandalf showed up, my mind was blown. I just got to say that. I'm just kidding. Uh, But you got to go see it. It's going to be the best-selling movie of all time. It's already broken all the records for opening weekends. But I was really amazed by it, and I thought, who planned this? Like, where, where did this, ama- 20, what is it, 22 movies? Where, where did this come from? Like, who do I credit for this amazing movie after movie journey? And of course, there's Stan Lee. You've got a picture of Stan Lee, uh, who is the uh, creator of the Marvel Universe. And they find a way to honor him in every film. He shows up in every film in some quick cameo because he is the maker, right? And then uh, there was also, though, an uh, unsung hero. His name is Kevin Feige. And here's his picture, Kevin Feige. And if you don't know who he is, you need to. Because he's the, um, he the man who scored an internship at one point in Hollywood, and he thought that it was the best day of his life. All right? I was reading up a little bit about him. But uh, Kevin Feige is the president of Marvel Studios right now. And while he was in college, he scored an internship working under some producers. Then two years later, he became a production assistant, Basically, as a production assistant, he walked dogs, got lunches, and washed cars. Walked dogs, got lunches, and washed cars, and he thought his dream had come true. I'm a production assistant in Hollywood. Life can't get better than this. But he was a comic book geek who knew everything about comics. And so when they took a risk, and it was a risk, Okay, superhero movies weren't in and they hadn't done well in the box office, but when they came out with the first Iron Man movie, this comic book geek was right there like, no, 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 this is how you do it, this is how you do it, this is how you do it. And finally, they gave him the the keys to the studio and he made all of these blockbuster movies. He was the one, with others, who made the plan. And now, Marvel and uh, fans are obviously so grateful because Stan Lee created this universe and Kevin Feige made the plan that culminated in this uh, latest amazing movie. We marvel at that, right? And we marvel at how it all ties together in one final culminating you know, fight. Here it is. It all comes together. We love it when there's a plan. And who said it? I love it when a plan comes together. That's the A-team, right? That'll throw you back. Now when it comes to the Bible, there is a plan. And we love it when a plan comes together. And if you're living your life like, I have no idea what the plan is. And I have no idea what my part in it is. I'm inviting you to see it and to find your place in it. When this marvel thing took off, everyone in Hollywood wanted a part in the plan. That, right? Cast me. Cast me anywhere. I just want in. Because they knew it was huge. And this is the same thing that's happening in God's Word. There is a plan. You can know about it and you can find your place in it. Embrace God's eternal plan. The plan is in Jesus Christ. In Ephesians 3:11 to 12, it says this. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus, our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. Do you want access into God's plan? Do you want to know your life is part of the grand story that has been uh, created by someone greater than Stan Lee, that has been written and scripted by someone better than Marvel Studios? Do you want to find your place in that plan? Uh, It's in Christ Jesus. And to put it clearly, if Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, you are caught up in the eternal plan. And if Jesus Christ is nothing to you, you are missing everything God has for you in this life and the next life. You are missing it all. You are, whatever else you have, whoever else you know, if you have Christ, you have it all. If you don't have Christ, you are missing every part of it. It's as simple as that. Embrace God's eternal plan for you in Jesus Christ. Now it says here, we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son. So jot this down. God's plan to save us began in eternity. It says for those he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son. Uh, The obvious things, the clear things that we can say about this, would be that his plan to save us began in eternity. This part of the text, this part of the verse, happens in eternity past. God, it says, foreknew. God, it says, predestined. And I can't pretend to explain to you what this fully means, but when there was Stretch your mind back to the beginning of the very universe where it jumped into existence from nothing and then go a second before that. I can't. <laughs> my, my brain does the, the brain explosion emoji. You see that one where the brain just does like... Kah-pah, kah-pah. All right? So, in fact, after studying a whole week on this whole idea of God's providence and predestination and election and all that, I feel like I know less than I did one week ago. And yet here I am talking to you about it. I don't understand when there was nothing but God. And God had never started existing. He just always was. Something happened in his heart and mind. If you can explain that to me, you should be up here preaching. (laughs) I don't get that. But God's sharing with us that it happened. His plan to save us began in eternity. eternity. And I don't know what this looked like, but I do know what it means about God's relationship to me. I I can figure that out. I know what that means relationally, very clearly, that that I was on his heart and mind before there was anything. God foreknew. It says he foreknew. He foreknew. And the word there for foreknowledge or foreknew means to, to know before, but it doesn't just mean to have factual information before it's knowable. The idea of God knowing uh, includes a relational component. So, for example, in Amos 3.2, God says about the Israelites, You only have I known of all the families of the earth. You only have I known of all the families of the earth. Well, God obviously knows all the nations, so this knowledge is a relational knowledge. And it involves a special call and a special purpose. This is what the Bible means when it says he foreknew. He foreknew. Um, it means that he had a special relationship for a special purpose. Uh, foreknown can also mean foreloved. It means that we were decidedly favored by God, and this happened before time began. Now, there are different opinions on what foreknowledge means, and there are uh, likely some people over the next several weeks who will have a different opinion on me with than me on a lot of these things, and that's okay. If you have a different opinion than me, the elders aren't going to come up to you after church in the gym and take your cookie away, all right? It's okay. We can disagree within the confines of orthodoxy on a lot of these things. And there is, I mean, for example, when it comes to theories of God's providence and and God's salvation plan, everyone usually sorts people into two buckets. Were you more of an Arminian or more of a Calvinist, right? Which is it? Do you know there are actually 12 different major models of God's providence uh, that you can study? Twelve. All right, And uh, as we talk about God's foreknowledge and his interaction with his people, it can get very confusing very quickly. But we're going to stick with what the Bible says and what's clear, and then as the text rolls on, we'll follow its uh, guidance. So it says here that he foreknew, he foreknew us. In 1 Peter 1.20, it uses this word again of Christ. It says, he, Jesus, was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for your sake. This doesn't just mean that God knew about Jesus before time, it means he knew him. There was a loving relationship that involved a special purpose established before time began. It's in that sense that God foreknew uh, his children. Now, some believe that this means that God had foreknowledge that we would believe the gospel. Meaning, well, he knew in advance that I would believe. And, And based on how he knew that I would believe, then he must have predestined me to eternal life based on his foreknowledge. Um, I would say that isn't what the Bible says here. The Bible does teach elsewhere that God knows who will believe ahead of time. The Bible does teach that. In John six sixty four, for example, it says that Jesus knew who would believe and who would reject him, right? So it is biblical to say, well, God knew in advance whether I would believe or not. That's true. But nowhere does it say that God looked for a future faith in you and then predestined you because of that. That is not in the Bible. You have to bring that to the Bible based on the pieces that you're reading about. Uh, This verse in Romans certainly doesn't teach that. What it teaches here in the book of Romans, it doesn't say that God knew something special about you. It says God knew you in a special way. Okay, Foreknowledge here is God knowing you in a special way. Not knowing about you or knowing anything about you that's special. He knew you in a special way before time began. That's basically, fundamentally, what it teaches here. God's plan to save us began in eternity. I don't know about you, but I would be impressed if God knew my name before my parents were even born, right? That, that would blow my mind. Like, if before my parents were even born, God was like, Ryan, I'd be like, wow, right? But the fact that God knew my name even before my parents' world was born, that blows me away. Think of all the uncertainty that went into me even getting into this life, you know? And yet God knew my name. The fact that he even knew my name before time would be pretty remarkable, but it goes beyond that here and it says that God had a special love, a special knowledge of me that involved devotion with a purpose. Wow, that really does something to my relationship with God. It says here that he foreknew, he foreknew, and this special knowledge and love applies to those who love him and who are called according to his purpose in Christ Jesus. So it's true of every child of God. And it says, those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. Uh, now, what does that mean? The word predestined means to, uh, to destine or to determine in advance. Simply put, this means that he decided to save us. So it says we were predestined to be conformed into the image of his son. It means he decided to save us. He decided to save us. Um it doesn't mean that he did save us at this point we're we're in eternity past we're, we're in we're right now in the divine council chambers where there's no physical reality and he and he he decided something all right so I'm not saying like he did it then I'm saying he decided to do it then he decided to save us so he knew us in a special way and he decided to save us. That's not when it happened, but that's when he decided that it would happen now I understand at this point people begin to think. Well, that must mean that I didn't really have a choice, right? Like if God decided to save me before time began, then I must have just, he must have like put some mind control thing in me so that it was guaranteed to happen. I know why there's this temptation to feel like, well, in order for God to do that, he'd have to control me. And that's because... When we think of how other humans behave and how little control we have over them, we can't even fathom how we can decide something long in advance and then make them do it. I can't get my kids to eat broccoli, all right, let alone to convince them that a dead guy rose from the grave. I I can't do that. But if I had a mind control app, I could. Wouldn't that be helpful as parents? I'd pay $1,000 for that, you know? Like zap mind control you are doing exactly what i say right now okay father go clean your room okay father tell your mother you love her okay father stop dating boys okay father i mean that mind control mind control who wouldn't want that but listen god doesn't need to in any way reduce your humanity to make his plans come true he's that amazing Okay? It's not like, wow, well, this is going to be a tough one, so I, bet, I better built in a little mind control chip where right when it comes to the time for my plan to happen, I'm going to zap their will off and then do it for them. He's that amazing. He's that amazing where he can bring his plans to pass without having to subtract anything from you. So don't think, well, if God foreknew me and predestined me, that must mean that I don't have a choice. That's not at all what it means. But in order to bolster your choice, and salvage your understanding of freedom, don't deny the reality that God knew you in a special, loving way, and determined to save you before time began. You don't have to subtract that from God to make your choice work. Okay. Now, sometimes, well, in Ephesians one five, it says that God predestined us to be adopted as His sons through Jesus Christ. This is called the doctrine of the doctrine of election the doctrine of election. And sometimes people feel comfortable saying, well, yes, God had the process planned out in advance, but it's not like he had the people. It's not like he had the list written because, you know, how could he do that? Um, I would just say that in the Bible, it's clear that he did have the list. In Revelation 13, 8, it says this, all who dwell on earth will worship it. Everyone whose name was not, has not been written before the foundation of the world in the book of the lamb that was slain. Now, this should really just when I, when I was studying this in my office this week, and I got to this point, and I thought, God knew me in a special, loving way before time. Wow. He predestined me. Uh, he decided to save me before time. Wow. And his, your name was in the Lamb's Book of Life before the foundation of the world. I literally sat there, and I was like, wow. 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 And I didn't go back throughout my life which my life has been filled with rebellion against the holy God. My life has been filled with refusal to honor him, filled with major league sins. And I didn't go back and say, oh, well, all that must not have been true. No, it was true. And the fact that he loved me like this, before all this would come to pass, do you know what that does to your relationship with God? Do you know what that does? It makes it so secure. Wow. His plan to save us began in eternity. This doesn't mean that before eternity he decided anything for you. This is all happening in the council chambers of his own heart, not your heart. It doesn't say that he decided something for you or in you. That's not what it's teaching. This is not threatening your loving response to him. It just teaches that God decided to relate to you in a special way according to a special plan. And that should warm your heart to God. That should make you feel secure in his hands. And when you look at the plan that's been stretched across the ages, it should show you that it's all working together. Number one, embrace God's eternal plan for you in Jesus Christ. Number two, jot this down, he decided to call a people of faith to himself. So after after he made the plan, how did he get the plan actually happening in reality? Well, he decided to call a people of faith to himself. So reading on, it says here, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined, what? To be conformed to the image of his Son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. Those whom he justified, he also glorified. So once we get to the word called, this is happening in real time. Uh, The the, uh, predestination, uh, the the election, the the, um, foreknowing, that's all in the eternal counsels of God before time began. But the calling, that happens in real time. So let's talk about how God enacts his plan in your life. He decides to call a people of faith to himself. It says in 1 Peter 1-2 that the elect are according to the foreknowledge of God the Father in the sanctification of the Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ and for sprinkling with his blood. May grace and peace be multiplied to you. Clearly the way that God's plan uh, for you is comes to fruition is you having faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, whose blood was shed for you at the cross. This is the gateway into accessing and enjoying the the plan that God has for you. Uh, The only way, the only truth, the only life is in the Lord Jesus Christ. There is no other way to get on God's plan. There is the broad and uh, the broad road that leads to destruction, and there is the narrow road and few find it that leads to life. So you have to ask yourself, what life plan are you on right now? God's plan is to call a people of faith to himself. Jot this down. God must call you or you cannot be saved. God must take the effectual initiative or you can't be saved. Now, this call describes an effectual call. Jesus said, in a sense, many are called in the general sense, but few are chosen, meaning uh, few respond to the general call as chosen children of God. The call of God to salvation goes out to all the earth. That's the general call. But the specific call, the effectual call, the call here of choice, is when it works. When God calls and people are called unto salvation, and you respond to that call. The point is this, though if God doesn't call, if He doesn't say your name, if He doesn't take that initiative, you can never be saved. You can't just stumble around this life and one day wake up and say, I want to be saved. If God did nothing, you would not be saved. Your faith is not what comes first. Your faith, God's not waiting around to see you respond in faith and then he leaps down and responds to you. You respond to him. In 2 Timothy 1.9, it says God who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began. God's plan is Christ Jesus. It always has been. It always will be. And God must call you from the grave out of darkness into Christ. And listen, if you're not on this plan, you must be saved. You must be saved. It's not enough for you to have this iffy relationship with God or feeling like Jesus is one of many answers in this world. God has a plan. His plan is Jesus. He's calling you to himself in his son. And jot this down, you must respond in faith to be saved by grace. You must respond in faith to be saved by grace. It says here in verse 27, he who searches hearts, God searches your heart knows what is the mind of the spirit because the spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. We know that for those who love God, you must love God. All things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. What is that purpose? He's calling you to be conformed to the image of his son. That's it. That's the plan. There is no other plan. So you must respond in faith to be saved by grace. Faith is simply a cry for help to a God who saves. That's what it is. And it's a response to the divine call. Um, What you contribute to salvation is nothing that merits God's favor. Listen, if you think the reason you're going to go to heaven is because your performance in like like, have you ever watched The Voice? How many of you have watched The Voice? Right, Right? The Voice! If you think the way you get to heaven is you perform to the best of your ability and God's right there with the buzzer and he's like, almost, 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 ah, yeah, wow, I haven't seen anything like that before. You're mine. You are missing it. All right, God is not impressed with your performance in this world. He chooses you by grace when you humble yourself and respond to his call through faith. You must respond in faith. And you must abandon the way of works. You cannot merit God's favor. If you're on the path of works, you're not on the path of grace. You have to pick one or the other. God must call you forth and you must call upon his name. Both must happen and there's a tension in this process. Both God's will and man's will are active in the action, the process of salvation, right? Uh, But God's will is supreme. His is sovereign and his is the governing will in the whole process. Does he act upon your will? Absolutely he does. He acts upon your will in a mighty and loving way. But he doesn't take your choice away from you. You have a choice. You have to respond to his call freely, but you can't do that independently. You are responsible to believe what you hear. And let's just be clear here. When it comes to this idea of, I mean, election and, and, and predestination and all that, the Bible never tells us to search your heart and find out if you're elect, okay? Okay? It, search your heart to find out if you're in the faith, right? If you're in the faith, if you believe. I saw a joke by the Babylon Bee. the the sat the It's a Christian satire site, the Babylon Bee. And check out this thing they posted a few weeks ago. Uh, it's the election detector. <laughs> Calvinist researchers complete development of elect detector. Now we can focus our efforts on calling only God's chosen people to faith and repentance. (laughs) It's a hilarious thought to think that we could have some sort of way to detect if you are elect. (laughs) And the Bible does not give us that. The only election detector found in the Bible is faith. It's faith. And the invitation to faith is open to all. It is open to all. You're not called to go off to some corner and do some introspection to find out if you're predestined. You're called to respond to what you hear. You're called to, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. So don't get caught up all in your mind about, well, am I on the list or am I not? Uh, Get caught up in the command to believe what you heard. The invitation is open to all. You must respond in faith to be saved by grace. Number one, embrace God's eternal plan for you in Jesus Christ. His plan began in eternity. Number two, he decided to call a people of faith to himself. God must call or you cannot be saved. You must respond in faith to be saved by grace. Number three, he decided to conform us into the image of his son, Jesus Christ. It says here that he uh, predestined us to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. Those whom he called, he also justified. Those whom he justified, he also glorified. Let's talk about what it means to be conformed to the image of the Son and to be justified. Let's talk about those things. First of all, know that God decided it. He's accomplishing it. He decided to conform you as a Christian to the image of his Son. Now, What this means is He will conform you. He will fit you or press you into a mold or pattern, and that pattern is His Son. The Lord Jesus Christ is the plan. God decided it, and He's accomplishing it. He's the one doing it. I like what uh, one scholar said, Doug Moo. He said, this means to be fitted into the pattern of existence that Christ established and modeled. This is God's will for you, to be fitted into the pattern of existence that Christ established and modeled. It says in the book of Colossians, he is your life. He is your life. And, uh, right, we're, we're to be conformed to the image of Christ. So that's God's plan. It calls Jesus here the firstborn. Be careful with that word. It doesn't mean that he was a created being. When you hear firstborn, you're like, he was made. No, this is what the Jehovah's Witnesses teach. See, he's called firstborn, so he's made. That's not true. A firstborn uh, meant the highest ranking child in the family. So a firstborn could be a title of rank, right? Not a a title of sequence, firstborn child. God is the eternal Son of God. We know that because Jesus himself said, now, Father, glorify with me with you with the glory I had with you before time began. So Jesus shared in God's glory before time. He's not a created being. He's God the Son. So be careful with that word. But it does mean that he is the highest ranking child in a family, we found out a few weeks ago that the way to get into God's family is to be born again. No one's born into God's family. At some point in your life, you have to be adopted into his family to be born again. And Jesus is then the, uh, the one who deserves the inheritance. He's the firstborn. Heaven is his, but thank God he shares it with us. And Jesus is sharing his inheritance with the rest of the children. That's us. So he decided to conform us into the image of God. Jesus is the firstborn and God was forming a family and you could enter that family as an adopted child of God. This is the plan. He does this through what's called justification. Jot this down. God gave us righteousness in Christ. God gave us righteousness in Christ. Justification means that when Jesus died on the cross, he paid the penalty for all of your sins. That set you free from slavery and brought you into the family when you believed that. Justification is by grace through faith. This is God giving us the righteousness of Christ. This doesn't mean that we can earn it, right? It doesn't mean we can earn it. It means that God is the one who authors our salvation. Now, when it says here that we are conformed to the image of his son, this doesn't necessarily in this verse mean the ongoing uh, pattern of you becoming more and more like Christ. This actually refers to the whole process, start to finish, of you becoming a Christian and ultimately being made like Jesus for all of eternity. So he's conforming us, he's destining us to be conformed to the image of his Son. He did this through justification, which is giving us the righteousness of Christ. He gives it to you as a gift. Jot this down, God glorified us in Christ. This is what it means to be conformed to the image of Christ. Now even though this is the future tense of our faith, shockingly... Paul writes about it as if it's already done. It says, Among uh, those he predestined, he called. Whom he called, he justified. Who he justified, he also glorified. He talks about the future tense of your faith, which God has planned from before time, as if it's already done. Now, I can reassure you that it's not done. Okay? It's not done. We all are still works in progress. We've not yet been made perfect. We certainly have not yet be- been made immortal yet, which is why we drive carefully, right? <laughs> it's, it's the reason why we're very cautious in this world because we've not yet been made completely new. But the day is coming when we will be risen and we will be like him never to die again. That's called glorification. The trilogy of movies God has for you is salvation, sanctification, glorification. Some of you are still in the first film, and you're not even saved yet. Some of you are in the middle. The rest of us are in the middle of the second film, and God's sanctifying us. Nobody sitting in this room today is in the third film yet. Glorification. We're not there. We're in the sequel, uh, but we're not in the trilogy, the third film, yet. That's coming, but Romans reports it as if it's already done. It's as good as done. Those whom he justified, he also glorified. Wow. Wow. So when you look back to before time, when you look ahead to the age to come, we can have total security knowing where we stand with God when we're on His plan, when we've embraced His plan. Number four, jot this down. Live with eternal security through faith in Christ Jesus. It says here, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? If God is for us, who can be against us? against us. This is very pastoral. This is very helpful. Embrace God's plan for you in Jesus Christ. He decided to call a people of faith to himself and to conform us to the image of his son so we can live with eternal security through faith in Christ Jesus. Now listen, if you're a child of God, if you're born again, if you are a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, this should give you so much security. You should feel so amazingly comforted and held fast in your father's arms, that nothing can stand against you. It should give you such assurance that God is so good and favorably disposed to you that nothing should shake that. No lie of the enemy should burrow into your heart. Is God for me? Does he know me? Does he see me? Is he helping me? Yes. Yes. Beginning to end. Yes. Wow. 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 This should nail so many things down in your heart about how God is acting toward you, whatever you're going through right now. But for those of you who are not in Christ Jesus, who don't know Christ as Savior and Lord yet, you've just been told that from before the first atom or particle or molecule ever appeared, before the first star was born or galaxy was assembled or dog barked or bird chirped, there was a plan and the plan is named Jesus Christ. And if your life is not given to him, you're missing the plan. But this morning, you can welcome what God is offering to you freely into your heart. Salvation is not by works. It is a gift of God. Are you ready to embrace God's plan for you in Christ Jesus and to say, I want that? Do you hear God calling to you from heaven saying, you need my son, you need my son, you need my son to save you? If so, then this moment has been planned out from before time, and God wants to welcome you into his family through faith. But will you respond, or will you harden your heart? Will you take hold of the free gift of eternal life and accept God's love for you in the Lord Jesus Christ, or will you stiffen up and will you push him away? Have you gone round one, two, three with God, round four? Is your life hard? Are you wondering where he is? Are you going to put the gloves on again and wait another ten years? Why would you do that? Here, today is the day of salvation. Today is the day that you hear what you were born for. And I would like to give you an invitation to respond to that through faith right now. Given everything we've heard, let's all close our eyes humbly and bow our hearts before God. And let's talk to God. Let's talk to God. Prayer is not magic words. There's nothing about prayer that is a performance. Prayer is simply you talking to God. And right now I'm confident that there are some people who feel like they were supposed to be here today. That they were meant to hear this. And they've, so many things are just coming together in their hearts. And Father, I just pray right now that for those who want what God has been working on from eternity, I pray that they would respond by faith. Lord, there are some here this morning who walked into the room wrong with God. Walked into the room off the plan. Walked into the room without Jesus Christ. Right now, that can change. Right now, that can all change. And I pray that they would respond humbly by faith. Just as it says in Revelation twenty-two seventeen. the spirit and the bride say, come. And let the one who hears say, come. And let the one who is thirsty, come. Let the one who desires take the water of life without price. Hey, this is the plan. This is what God has for you. His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And maybe it's time for you to take hold of the free gift, the water of eternal life. You can do that. In your own heart, you can pray. You can say, Father, forgive me, for I have sinned. You can say that right now. You can say that in your own heart. Say, Father, forgive me, for I have sinned. Say, Father, forgive me, for I have broken your law. Forgive me, for I have broken your heart. I have not been living the way you've desired. And right now, you can pray by faith saying, thank you for sending Jesus into this world to save me. Thank you for sending Jesus into this world to save me. Say it. In your own heart, say, Jesus, save me. Jesus, wash me. Jesus, deliver me. Come into my life. Be my Lord and Savior. Promise me heaven forever. Secure my soul. Father, for those who are calling out, may they take great rest and confidence knowing that you're calling them. You've been planning to save them since eternity past. We're not subject to blind chance. We're not subject to all the whims of wicked people. We're not even condemned by our own choices. You have a plan. The plan is Jesus Christ. And for all who have reached out and taken hold of the free gift of eternal life, fill our hearts with assurance and joy. You're in control. Nothing can stop you. If God is for us, who can be against us? Let us walk in that faith this week. And We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.